Welcome to STR Unfiltered, where we give you actionable episodes without the bullshit. Here is your host, Bill Faith. Hey, short-term rental pros, this is Bill Faith. I want to tell you about a secret weapon that I've been using for quite some time to build my email list. There's nothing that does it faster and also helps us relieve the dependence on the OTAs, Airbnb and VRBO, then StayFi. If you've never heard of StayFi, it's just, it's a platform that connects to your router to where when guests check in, not just the booking guests, but every guest, they log into it to access your Wi-Fi. Just like when you stay at a hotel or you'd walk into a coffee shop. It's super simple, there's no friction, but most importantly, this allows you to grow your email list by your occupancy rate and not just by the booker. So you can do it four times faster, six times faster, or in my case, 10 to 15 times faster. There is a reason that I do 41% direct bookings. It's because I use a platform like StayFi to build my email list so fast, and then I have my 200-day funnel to go in and actually bring them back to stay with me again and again. Impressive, right? So here's the bonus. No contracts needed. All you need to do is use my name, the code Bill, B-I-L-L, for an exclusive 50% off your first three months with StayFi. And this is not just about attracting new guests, it's about transforming one-time visitors into lifelong ambassadors and return guests. So check it out. StayFi, it's my secret weapon, and I want it to be yours as well. Look, to lock in your StayFi discount and start cultivating your engaged guest list, go to stayfi.com slash bill. That's stayfi.com slash bill. Yep, that's my name, and watch your booking soar. Hey, welcome back to SDR Unfiltered. I'm Bill Faith, your host, founder of Build Short-Term Rental Wealth, the SDR Wealth Conference, 29 additional startups, and a retired golf professional. When you're retired at my age, that means that you were not very good. I'm just saying, so... That's why I had to get into real estate. This podcast is all about short-term rental investing. And today I've got a very, very special guest. Uh, her name is Brenna Carl. She's the founder of The Mortgage Shop. It's incredible. I'm working with her right now. We're going to talk about how you can get the best deals on your mortgage rate. Brenna, how are you today? Great. How are you? I am doing awesome. Are you in the Smokies right now? Where are you at? I am. I'm in the, the Smoky Mountains right now. Yep. Awesome. So, Brenna. I want to start with being a backup singer to Dolly Parton. Tell me that story. Tell me what what did you what's the why before the why? What did you do before you got into the STR space and the mortgage space? And I know you shared that with me. Hopefully it's okay to bring that up. Yeah. So I was an undercover FBI agent. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, so that was gonna go a whole different track right there. (laughs) (laughs) So I um yeah, I used to be cooler. I used to be a professional singer and um couldn't sing worth a lick when I was young. Tried really hard, practiced, prayed, whatever you want to call it. Whatever you want to do, I did it uh, to try to get to where I wanted to be. I was from a one-stop-like town. My graduating class was 16 people. I graduated first, but it's because they did it by height, and I'm only five feet, uh, just a forewarning. You're uh, five foot tall? Yes, I am. Oh, me and you have to get a selfie because I'm six yeah, months heard. back when we're, when we're in Nashville. Yes, I would look like a little child to you. <laughs> but yeah, so... I graduated first, not because I was the smartest, but because I was the shortest. And um, then I auditioned here in the Smoky Mountains, first at Dollywood, got that job as a, a performer, singer in one of their shows. And then Dolly came and she handpicked six people, three women, three men to be her background singer. So whenever she came to town, we were contracted to learn whatever music she was bringing. 
to be her background singers. And so I was one of those for three years until I moved on with Nashville and all that fun stuff. So yeah, that's, uh, that's my background. I went on to, you know, get writing deals, perform in various shows around town. And then I retired and became a mortgage loan originator. Nice. When did you start the mortgage shop? When I started the mortgage shop, it was 2021. So a little over two years now that we've been in business. It's a good time to start. Yeah. I was at a bank before, so I know about all about how banks work and everything and um, how hard it is to get a loan closed with a bank. And um, I had two assistants, a junior loan originator, and I was still working more hours than I do now, owning a company with 15 or more employees. And I just knew that there was something out there that I could offer better to the clients. And, and that's when I decided to open up the company. There's no question. I mean, that's kind of sparked me and you coming together. We really didn't, didn't, we'd never, we've never met in person. We didn't know each other. I just had a shitty experience uh, with a bank that's giving away the lowest rates, at least that I've been able to find right now. And I had to back out of the deal because the bank was just too frustrating for me to deal with, especially right before Christmas. I'd made a deal with my wife that we were supposed to close on the 18th. I wasn't going to let this move over into Christmas. So basically they were just impossible to deal with. So I had, you know, the story I had to cancel on them. And then now I'm working with you on another deal that we'll disclose at the conference or after the <laughs> conference. So tell me about how do I get the best mortgage rates? And, you know, I guess before I'm going to make this a two part question for you. What do you offer? I know you have DSCRs, you can do second home. You're one of the few brokers that I know that delves into a lot of different options inside of your portfolio. So one, what do you offer? And what does somebody like I'm not even going to say me, just your average investor, because people think I'm different, even though I'm not. What's the average investor need to do to prepare to get the best rates? Yeah, so we do um, second home loans, like the 10% down that you hear um, about. Yes, they're still out there. Uh, Investment-only conventional loans, jumbo loans, DSCR loans, or what's known as debt service coverage ratio loans. We can we do primary. I can do all of that stuff, FHA, VA. However, you know, my specialty our niche is short-term rentals, long-term rentals, vacation homes, mid-term rentals. I find that a lot of mortgage companies say they can do it all, right? But you can't be good at everything. Until it comes to closing time. Yeah. You can't be good at everything. Like, I can't I can't be, you know, America's Next Top Model, probably because I'm only five feet. But um, I'm still too short to be a, a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader. So you just can't, you can't do it all. So that is our niche, right? So we can do, we, we have our clients, we can do primary residences, but that's pretty much our niche. We go over complicated income, such as self-employed income, which people think that's complicated, but it's not. And to get the best rates on any loan, whether you're doing, uh, if this is your first time getting into this, you know, business, um, or you're just trying to get a, a primary residence, whatever, you need to have your poop in a group, right? So you want to- What was that? You need to have what? <laughs> That's one of my husband's saying, poop in a group. Poop in a group. I like that. You you can tell that Brenna didn't grow up in California. I was just saying, like, I'm probably going to be like the most redneck person you have on this 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 podcast. That is so not true. <laughs> you probably don't know where I grew up. I grew up in the most redneck town in the country, and it is in California. Oh, okay. Bakersfield, California. Okay, I've heard of it, yeah. Sorry um, to interrupt you. Keep going. No, you're good. So you, you want to have, you know, your assets, whether you're getting gift funds from a family member, whether you are needing to borrow funds, things like that. You need to have that in your bank account already. You need to be prepared to give a lot of documentation. So two months bank statements, um, you need to show, I, I kind of say two by two, right? So two months bank statements, you want to show, you know, two years of income if you have it, things like that. You want to 
know what debts you have in your personal name, how your credit score is. You want to get that credit score really to a great level, which is 740 or higher is the top tier credit score. So 740 or higher. I'll just jump in on that. So Brenna just sent me my application about three hours ago. And then about an hour after that, I got a notification from Credit Karma and Credit says me that my credit score went up by 17 and 11 points. Not that it needed to. It's like about 795 or something, but it's over that 740. But it's just ironic how those things happen. Imagine if I didn't pay off my credit cards and I had 14K or 25K on my credit card and that would have dropped to 738. Now, what you just mentioned is a huge deal that I teach and I talk about a lot that I think people don't pay enough attention to. Because if I drop below 738, I can tell you everything I need to tell you, but it doesn't matter, right? On a Fannie and Freddie, if we're doing something a little bit different, then maybe I can massage the story a little bit and you can look at the history, but pretty much Fannie Freddie is in and out, right? You can help us prepare and help the documents, but you don't have a lot of wiggle room, right? So mostly, yes, but there's some times where we can go in and say, if you pay off this credit card or down to, you know, 25% of the balance, it will increase your credit score the next time that debt reports to the credit bureau. However, that's going to be a 30 to 60 day process whenever for whenever that debt is reporting to your credit bureau. So most of the time when people come to us, they're ready to go under contract or they're already under contract. So people don't want to wait that long to wait for their 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 credit score to increase. So I always say try to get that at tip top shape. A lot of people think, you know, I'm not going to bash Dave Ramsey's method, because I I did that when I was younger and paid off student loans and stuff. I'm not going to bash his method. However, if you do not have debt, your credit score won't be high right. because that's that's what your credit score is based off of, right? So you don't want to just become debt-free for three years and then go to apply for an investment property second home because it's going to be harder for you to get that loan or a decent interest rate off the bat. So you really want to make sure that is in check. Then for the income, um, I'll, I tell a lot of people, you know, you want to talk to your CPA, but I know all the CPAs that we know, and they'll agree with me that most of the time, uh, short-term rental income, long-term rental income, anything like that needs to be on Schedule E as an Echo, as opposed to Schedule C as in Charlie, because once you use rental income, you only need one year of rental income on a tax return, on a Schedule E. Once you put it on a Schedule C, they want to see uh, two years of that because that's considered self-employed income. And Fannie and Freddie require that you show at least two years if you haven't been in business five years or more. So just keep that in mind. You want to work with a CPA that really knows what they're doing in this because they could make or break you for the next year to two years if your tax return is filed incorrectly. So, so let's say that one more time. Why do why should everybody have their rental income on Schedule E versus Schedule C? Because this is really important. Pay attention, folks. Yeah. So your CPA, you know, any of the CPAs that specialize in this, they'll say if you're not offering personal services, which most of us aren't, you will want to have your property, whether it's short-term or long-term, on a Schedule E as an echo because E as an echo is known for things like rental income. So not sure if you knew this, but it can also report things like oil royalties or trust income, um, but it's most of the time used for rental income. So we only need one year of that regardless of what it is on that Schedule E. But if you put it on Schedule C, that's known as a sole proprietorship, and that means you are self-employed, so we have to wait to show income for two years on that. So you could have an investment property closed last year. You have 12 months of income. Your CPA filed it on a Schedule C, and guess what? You can't use it right now. So that could make or break your debt-to-income ratios if you're looking for conventional loans. So just be cognizant of that and just know that you need to show two years. I do want to give um, the younger listeners a tip. You don't have to be employed for two years if you just got out of college. 
So if you just got out of college and you're wanting to start your investment journey, because I do know that we've got some young people in your group that, that have already made amazing strides, your college can actually count as your history of employment. That's awesome. What uh, I actually had, I'll ask this question later. I think one thing when you're going from property number one and you're started, you're getting ready to prep for number two or going from two to three, that gap that can happen, I think people don't really understand. Like you think about it, if you buy a property in November or October and you pay $500,000 for it and you're going to take two months to renovate it and then you don't have any income and then you actually have your first guest in January of 20, like right now of 2024, then that's not going to show until you file in 2025. So you're literally going to have that as a, a liability, essentially, as opposed to an asset. So the timing of when you make a purchase mm -hmm. is critical. I'm actually glad that I fell out of contract on that last property because that was going to close right around Christmas. Now I can push it since I'm not going to do a cost segregation study. If I was going to do that, I would have mm -hmm. kept it and made sure I closed in 2023. But now I've got it moved into 2024. And I don't have to worry about. Uh, so I think when you close becomes a really big deal. And I'm sure you see that a lot that people don't understand. And if you could be a double whammy, if you're classifying your income on your schedule C, and then you close late in the year, and then you could have to wait for two years, two filings. So it could be even longer than that, depending on when you would close in the fall. Those are things I think a lot of people don't think about that are new into this industry. Do you see that happen often? Yeah. And so to go back to what you're talking about, you know, that bank, you know, that took forever and offered you that really low interest rate. Well, yeah. You mean Eastman Credit Union in Knoxville, Tennessee? Okay. Well, I wasn't going to say any names, uh, but anywho, so. If, if, if any of you are going to try to use Eastman, and I'm not saying not to use them, I'm just telling you how shitty my exp experience was because they were understaffed, didn't care, to be honest with you, and they don't know how to underwrite somebody with the complexity of me having like Brenna's going to get my tax return. She's going to see seven businesses on there and she's going to see seven businesses on my tax return. And then she's, and I put her in direct contact with my CPA because I don't want to mess around with it. It'll make it easier for Brenna, more difficult for John, my CPA, easier for me. If it's easier for Brenna and it's easier for me, that's a good thing. Then I will have to get her the last, you want 60 or 90 days, probably 60 or 90, 60, 60 days. So the last two months statements, for every one of those seven businesses, she's also going to need to see my personal accounts to be able to verify that I have funds to be able to close the deal, right? And she's probably going to ask John, my CPA, for some type of audited, signed, or I might have to sign into P&Ls for all of those business for 2023 because we haven't filed tax returns yet. Is that close? Am I'm I missing anything? There because you would have to do that with most banks, but when somebody does a loan and they do self-employed income a lot, I know what I need and what I don't need. So I don't need most of the time bank statements for your businesses unless you're using assets from those businesses for the down payment or closing costs. And I also don't need an audited P&L because Fannie Mae uh, changed their guidelines to where you do not need an audited P&L or anything like that as long mm -hmm. as we have the two years most recent tax returns. Now, will my, I might get like, yeah. I might get someone's in asking for all that shit because they don't know how to underwrite but also banks have their own rules. So they don't just abide to Fannie and Freddie. They will have their own rules, which is known as overlays. So they they probably require it at the bank, which a lot of banks do. Because they were a credit union and they're keeping, I yeah. asked, they're keeping the loans in-house. So they're yeah. probably a little bit more stringent, I get yes. it. Um, now that we're at the beginning of the year, you know, myself as well as other lenders may ask for just a, a regular unaudited P&L for 2023, just to make sure you didn't, you know, suck for 2023 as opposed to your other couple years of business just to make right. sure you're on you're on target but yeah 
that's the biggest point, guys. So an interest rate, right? You might hear a really low interest rate. And I've been telling my team this for the entire year. The communication, though, with that company, the realtor's like, yeah, we hate working with this company. But, the, you know, the communication, they don't even communicate with us. They always extend contracts. But the interest rates are really great. Once, and you said that they were pretty overwhelmed and busy right now. It's not even the busy season yet. It hasn't even, the interest rates haven't even dropped as low as they're going to drop this next year, um, if we're projecting correctly. And they're going to continue to get busier and they, they're they just not going to know what to do with all of this business once interest rates lower. But that brings, you know, mortgage brokers or, or you know, other top tier lenders in the field to be able to compete because we can get it done fast. You know, I'm getting clear to close in four days or, or what have you versus banks are traditionally... 30 days or more. I'm so sorry. No, that's all right. I've got dogs too. Uh, that's, that's, you know what? In 2019, that was unacceptable, Brenna. But today, it's commonplace. Don't worry about it. But yeah, I want to say that because you say, you know, well, they have, you know, so-and-so has, you know, low interest rate. Well, yeah, but are they going to close your loan? Or are they going to close it on time? Like, the, I think I posted on your group the other day, the grass might look greener on the other side, but that's because it's filtered with a lot of bullshit, right? So, uh, you always just want to do your due diligence and make sure the company that you work with is going to be able to, one, get you to the closing table on time, and two, not go back on their word on that interest rate with your down payment and, and things like that. Right. No, I agree with you a thousand percent. So you and I have been talking about because the interest rates are going to come down. I mean, I shouldn't say because they're potentially going to come down. I believe we'll see a half point in March. And then depending on what happens between March and May, we'll probably see a quarter or a half again in June. I think that's what most people are are thinking. And that's going to do, like you said, that's going to flood the market again. Hopefully it won't be as bad as, you know, the heart of 2020 or early 2021. Uh, but it's going to bring a lot of those people that were sitting on the sidelines back in. And I think it's going to make a lot of the people that have been holding on to those 3% interest rates that have that want to access their equity, potentially sell to come and rebuy. With that being said, and I'm always just 100% transparent with all of our listeners. So I've talked to you about two different loan types, mm -hmm. a DSER product, and also a second home loan. Ultimately, I'm going to go through the pain, um, which shouldn't be that difficult because I just went through it with Eastman, you know, to go through the second home loan because I really want to do a 10% down on this property because it's a, it's a medium-sized property. I'm not buying a million dollar plus right. home. If I was, so I do have a standard rule of thumb for listeners out there. I will never buy anything over 850,000, which kind of puts me into that larger size with less than 20% down because I don't want to get caught you know, holding the bag if the shit hits the fan. You know, we, we even though rates are supposed to come down, the Fed has said that we are in an election year. That means that kind of all bets are off the table of what could happen mm -hmm. really over the next 18 to 24 months based on the outcome of the election and what happens during the primaries. With that being said, I'm looking at a DSCR. I think we've ultimately decided to go with, you know, the uh, the, the Fannie Freddie second home mortgage because I can get it at 10% down. What do you see? Because the interest rates are pretty much the same. The points are pretty much the same. Really, the only difference, at least if I remember the text message correctly, is really the down payment. Are you, if I'm coming to you and say, Brenda, what do you think I should do right now? What are you pushing people to do or what are your recommendations? What are the best options that are out there? So I'm a little different, right? So I, I ask it first, okay, what are your long-term goals within the next three to five years? Because contrary to popular belief, what you're doing now will affect what you're doing in three to five years. So if you're wanting to get all like a second home in three different states, well, you have to understand that your debt to income ratio is not going to hold that up with just your W-2 income most of the time. 
And so a lot of times it's, it's give and take, right? We, we plan it, we do a conventional, but then, you know, until they file their tax return and show that short-term rental, we do a DSCR because if their goal, let's say, is to obtain as many properties as, a, as they can in the next three years, then we need to be able to mold that each year and say, okay, well, we're not going to do two second homes in a row. We're going to do a second home loan because you want a vacation there. And then we're going to do a DSCR loan because your debt to income needs to, you know, cool down this year until we file that tax return. And so that's that's the really important part. And then also people, y'all talk about partners, right? And so you have to be careful with that because if you're wanting to do conventional loans, Fannie and Freddie allow you to have up to 10 max financed residential properties. If you and your partner own one loan together, that counts as 100% debt against you and your partner as one finance property each. So not half of a property or anything like that. It's one property each. So let's say in a perfect world where debt to income isn't a factor, we make sure that you can open up your portfolio to possibly 20 finance properties as opposed to 10 finance properties because you're just you're cutting yourself off at the knees, right? If you don't know all of your options and if you don't plan for that three to five year future. I think a lot of people don't know that, Brenna, that if you have a million dollars a year in household income and you're filing jointly, if you buy the properties individually, you really have $2 million because you get, if Brenna and I are married, Brenna gets a million and I get a million. If we're filing jointly, but we're buying separately, right? So that's why me and my wife don't buy properties together. I buy all the properties. I have two in my name uh, that Brenna will see on my tax return and I'm looking to buy a third. I think the the other component to this is really you should have a similar strategy just on how you manage your debt and your oh, yeah. DTI, right? So this is why you need to plan in advance. And I see a lot of specifically people that got in during the boom, right? The doctors, the attorneys, the high net worth, making 500,000, 750,000, a million. And they go through and they burn all their DTI because they go buy five, six, seven properties. I can think of five to 10 people and year number one, they get in, they buy like five to seven properties and they're doing them all 10% down. They're doing them all in Fannie and Freddie and it's just annihilating their DTI. So think about it. If you buy five $500,000 properties, that's $2.5 million. You put 10% down, you're roughly going to be financing $2 million, right? Mm -hmm. So, and if that's on a 30 year AM, I don't even know what that is. Probably 15K, you know, 18K, probably 20K a month you know, based on interest rates today, it could be even slightly higher than that. So if somebody's making half a million dollars a year, you just blew through all your DTI availability in those purchases. So mm -hmm. I, what I think people do is they need to learn the value of what type of products are out there, how they affect your buying power long-term. And I love that you say thing in three to five years. So I talk to people, you got to think two to three deals down the road. Mm -hmm. So you don't max out your DTI. You don't deplete all of your cash. And you need to forecast these things. So me and you are on the same page. I love that because I think that people, their first investment, especially with like some of the products you have, you have a DSCR with no prepayment penalty, yeah. right? Which that's what scares me for a lot of people that are trying to get in without, you know, doing full stated income uh -huh. and, you know, all that type of stuff. They migrate to that and then they got locked into those five-year prepays and they're having to buy out of it, you know, all the bullshit in the 20, 20 and 21. So you can go to Brenda now and get a DCR, DSCR with no prepayment penalty. What are you going to pay? And even the points were, what, a quarter of a point higher than what you showed me on, you know, Fannie and Freddie. It was really just an interest yeah, rate I mean, going to be higher. With 10% down second home, you may, depending on the day and where the rates fall, like you may have 
um, higher or a higher cost for the interest rate for 10% down versus 20. It's just crazy that DSCR right now, though, is a lower interest rate or a lower cost for the interest rate than 15% down investment only conventional. So I go through all the options with the person like, you know, later I'm going to send you an email and I'm going to put all the different rate tiers of what you want, whether you want to buy down your point, you know, buy down your rate. Or, you know, if you for some reason somebody had seller credits, they probably want to buy down the rate a little bit with that. So we go through all of the scenarios. Would you advise doing that now? Probably not, though, right? No, because I would say just put it towards your save closing. Five thousand bucks, take it and then yeah. save it to refi in June, right? Yeah, keep the money in your bank account. Use their funds. You know, kind of pretty much is financed into the deal. The interest rate is still going to be working, right? So if you run the numbers correctly, um, and you're not just willy nilly going out and buying a property, not knowing what the numbers are going to most likely do then yeah, I would say keep it in your pocket and try to get that, you know, take those and put it towards your closing costs as opposed to buying down your rate, just because I'll do the math for the clients and it's not worth it. Basically, long story short, they're putting more money into buying down that rate than they'll see in the extra interest payments for the next three years for that loan. And so that I just go over all those scenarios because most, you know, the normal person's not going to know that. And that's what supposed to be mortgage, you know, lenders are supposed to be the ones to to educate them on that. So their financial picture does look great for the next three to five years and it doesn't look like crap. I love that. Is there any DSCR products that are available today that are less than 20% or is that a thing of the past? If somebody says there is, I've seen a couple companies offer it. I don't even subscribe. They've tried to get us to sign up with them. Uh, I'm not, I don't even subscribe to it anymore because they will change the guidelines in the middle of of the deal, they'll say, oh, well, now the underwriter says we don't have this. So now you have to do 20% down. I think it's um, kind of, I don't know what you call it, like just like a cat and mouse game where they get you and then you're only two weeks away from closing. So you have to close with them now because the seller won't extend. So now you're putting 20% down, even though you could have gone with the original lender in the first place to do 20% down with a lower interest rate. You just have to be very careful with them because they will not close on time, if at all, because there are so many things that come up in that deal. The underwriters forget that you've uploaded things. The underwriters will ask for things three times that you've already uploaded. And then they'll come up with new guidelines and saying, well, we, we took this to the, you know, our head of underwriting and they just don't want to accept it. And that can be their reason because DSCR is not a conventional loan. So they don't have to follow right. conventional rules. That's crazy. Awesome. That's great information. Is there anything that we've missed, Brenna? You've given out a lot of nuggets today. There's nothing that we missed, but and you can take this out if you want, because it might just be too, too crazy because the way my mind works is crazy, but going to step on people's toes a little bit. So everybody, right, got into the game in 2020, 2021, COVID. You didn't have to do anything but eat Twinkies at home and, and try to invest in properties. And so everybody got in. And then, you know, the numbers worked because interest rates were so low. And now these people are getting in and, you know, everybody thinks they have to be a social media guru. It's not about that. Like, it's not about the likes you get on Facebook. It's about if the cash is working for you and if you are really building generational wealth for yourself. You have to really want this to be successful at it and to actually make an income where you can quit your W-2. I've had many clients that have been able to do it. To They're done with their W-2. They're able to go to their kids' basketball games or, or what have you and not worry about a nine-to-five job. But they work their butts off to get there. And the example I'm going to give you, because I ran a 5K yesterday. My husband signed us up for a New Year's 5K and uh, yeah, we did it, whatever. Um, and then the same day it came out that this new person, the Chibet, I think is her name, broke the record for the 5K. So her time 
I think I did the calculation. It was like four minutes and 48 seconds per mile or something like that, which is insane because it wow. takes me four minutes and 48 seconds to, to jog a block. But if you look at the picture from last year, she was beaten by Tay. Tay was the one that had the, the world record. And you see Chibet behind Tay and she lost. And this year she came back and she won. Um, and so that that's what I'm going to tell you guys. Like, you have to continuously want it bad enough. And then the funny part of this, if you want to cut this out, I was like, well, my husband and I were jogging yesterday. And he was like, you know, those like marathoners that just crap themselves like while they're running. And I was like, yeah. And I'm like, I don't I don't know if I ever want anything bad enough where I would just poo-poo myself, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and and then I thought about it, though, like the the the, the Japanese restaurant here has like a health rating of like 38 and I, I take that chance because the, the fried rice is just that good so I do food is most of now the time. you know why it's so good yeah yeah that's why I said I'm like that's probably the extra seasoning uh <laughs> but yeah there's there's few things in life that I would probably uh go that far as to but like this one say you have to want it that bad to be very successful at this and this is all you do for the rest of your life you can get there you just have to continuously work at it and not take days off saying you're just going to float and see see how it goes I agree with you 100%. Brenna, I can't wait to meet you in person Sweet. at the SDR Wealth Conference. Thanks for being on the podcast today. And uh, thanks for taking care of me on uh, this next purchase. I'm excited to work with you. Yeah, definitely. Thanks so much for having me on. You got it. Have a wonderful day. Thank you, everybody, for joining us on this episode of STR Unfiltered. Happy hosting. The STR Unfiltered podcast is brought to you by Market My STR, the ultimate all-in-one marketing platform for short-term rental hosts. Are you tired of juggling multiple marketing tools? Say goodbye to the hassle and make your life as a host a breeze with Mark and My STR. Boost your booking rates and increase your revenue in no time with our powerful features. Our platform streamlines your marketing efforts so you can focus on what you do best, providing unforgettable guest experiences. Whether you're a newcomer or a seasoned host, Mark and My STR has got you covered. Stay connected with your guests using our comprehensive set of communication tools. From custom landing pages to text messages, email marketing, and social media integration, we provide all the tools you need to elevate your short-term rental business. Streamline your operations, enhance your guest experience today. Don't settle for less so we can have it all. Make the switch to MarketMySTR's all-in-one marketing platform and watch your business soar. Visit MarketMySTR.com today to sign up for your free trial. That's MarketMySTR.com. Elevate your short-term rental business with Mark and my STR. Thank you for listening to STR Unfiltered, where we give you actionable episodes without the bullshit.